You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Marcus D'Angelo, and we're back with another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, you know who I'm joined by. It's the million dollar man himself, Ted DiBiase. Ted, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Marcus. How about yourself? I could not wish to be better. Uh, we like are in a million the, bucks, right? I'm feeling like a million bucks. <laughs> and, you know, here we are. It's it's uh, We're finally in the month of August, which means, wow. dude, we've got some big, big anniversaries this month. And uh, we've got a really huge one that we're discussing today. So this month marks the 27th anniversary of your debut with WCW. Oh. And 27 <laughs> years ago, Ted. <laughs> uh, I know. Oh, I know. It's yeah. got to hurt a little bit. But uh, I think that this episode is going to be fun, going to be painless because, uh, you know, we're talking about the million dollar man joining the hottest group in professional wrestling, the NWO. Yeah. Um, so, look, before we get started, though, as always, just want to, want to remind you all to get over to YouTube at youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod. Not only do you get clips and highlights from this show, but we also have some YouTube exclusive content that we only that we put out every single Monday. Uh, these are stories that you will not hear on the podcast. So if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love what we're putting up on YouTube. But wait, there's more. We're also about to do a giveaway on our YouTube channel. You can own this brand new Ted DiBiase figure signed by the million dollar man himself. To be eligible, all you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's it. Winner will be picked at the end of August. Head to youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod and subscribe today. And the other thing that's very rare about that is you get it for free. <laughs> I mean, not a lot in this life is free. That's All right. you have... <laughs> Especially when you're dealing with a million dollar man. Everybody's <laughs> got a price for him. <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is hit that sub subscription button and go. bam, you're eligible. You can win it. So get over there right now. YouTube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod. So Ted, on our Steve Austin episode, I mentioned that the WCW hotline started teasing your arrival as early as April of 1996. And Meltzer mentioned that it may have been a valid rumor because your contract was due to expire in the fall with WWF. Yeah. Um, so Ted, let's start at the beginning of this story. Uh, would it have been Eric Bischoff who would have reached out to you about coming into the company? You know, I'm, I'm trying to uh, I'm I'm trying to personally remember uh, how how it all went down. I'm you know I'm trying to think of who I spoke with initially, but obviously eventually I would have had to speak to Eric and um, and I don't know if I've, I've talked about this before, but I know that in going back when I when later when I went back to WWE. Mm -hmm. uh, Vince and I did have this conversation and uh, the attitude I had at the time was like uh, okay I, I wasn't an active wrestler anymore I had been a manager for some time and now um, you know I I do this uh, actually I, I, I did the color commentary along with Vince for uh, I, I think it's what's the pay-per-view during Thanksgiving Oh, uh, Survivor Series. I think it was the Survivor Series, and and then Vince was, Vince was fairly happy with uh, with what I did, and I said, you know, I said, well, gosh, you know, if you think I could uh, do it, you know, like I, I'd like to try to do it, and so I, I started going back to the WWF as a commentator, and um, 
then, but, but all, all that required me to do was to be in Stanford uh, one day a week. And, mm -hmm. Well, actually I, I would be there for two days. Uh, but it, you know, like, but once a week and so it's a two days every week and, and I'm done. And it was, it was doing voiceovers for a lot of the shows. I mean, uh, occasionally we do something live, but most of the time it was watching the tape and, 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 and I think they, they paired me with gorilla monsoon and, uh, you know, like he kind of helped me along anyway. So I was doing pretty good with that, but, uh, it didn't require me to go on the road. That's my whole point. Mm -hmm. uh, and because, you know, um, the road had been a, you know, the road was, the road was danger. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you get back on the road, you get out there, you know, and, and it's the, like uh, all my demons were, were, were on the road. So uh, <laughs> I didn't want to go back there and, and nor did my wife want me to go back there. So, uh, when, uh, uh, but what happened with Vince is, you know, he decided uh, somewhere along the way to, I think, he, I think he put me with Sid Vicious. Yes. And the deal was, you know, it was kind of like Vince saying to me, I want you to help him keep both his oars in the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. So Good luck get, with that. I get to go on this babysitting, you know, job now. And so that, that, so now I'm a manager on the road and the road is not a place I wanted to be. And, you know, um, and so when the opportunity presented itself with WCW, you know, basically they told me, they said, you can come to work for us and do exactly what you were doing. It's just going to require you to be there you know, uh, every Monday night, you remember the Monday, the Monday night was Monday night wars, right? Yes, sir. And so, uh, and it would be a big shock, you know, for, and it would be a big shock for me just showing up on their, on their TV. So, uh, when my contract was coming up due, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't resign with Vince and, um, uh, my attitude at the time was, you know, Vince is a businessman and he is, he's a shrewd business guy. And, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, he gave me a job post active wrestling career. I mean, cause once I had the neck injury, uh, you know, and the doctor told me, he said, he said, uh, the odds are in your favor that it wouldn't happen. But he says, you could, if you, if you fell again, the right way, you could end up paralyzed. Oof. I said, I ain't taking that chance. Hell no. And so uh, now I'm a commentator. Uh, but what what Bischoff basically offered me was this: you know, you you just come do for us what you were doing for them, um, and <laughs> so. But you know, now when I, when I got over there, it was the uh, you know I was you know like part of the crew. And the other thing was, it was a, you know, it, it was significant difference in pay mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, I'm, this is a three year deal, no cut contract. And even if I, you know, if I don't work, I still get paid. And, uh, uh, and but the, my biggest reason for leaving Vince was I didn't want to be on the road. And uh, much later when I did go back and, 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 and work for them again, I had that conversation with Vince and he said, Ted, he says, I'm telling you, he says, all you would have had to do is come and tell me, Ugh. you know, uh, and, and I, and I said, you know, I, 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 I understand that now. Uh, but at the time, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I told him, I said, I look at it. It's like, you're a businessman, you're running a business and, you know, uh, you had made a, a spot for me in, in terms of, uh, you know, the color commentator, you know, but then when you sent me back on the road, it was like, you know, the danger, the road was danger for me. And he says, you know, you, all you would have had to done was to speak up and I, I would have changed it. But anyway, hindsight, hindsight's 2020. 
a lesson for all of us. Communication yeah. is key. Yeah. Because uh, who knows? You know, maybe he would have come at you with a with a better offer and taken you off the road. So it's uh, is what it is. But I, well, he I would have. He basically was saying, he says, if you'd come and talk to me, I I just said, okay, you know, you don't want to be on the road. I won't put you, you know, put you on the road. And because the only reason he had put me on the road was to basically uh, kind of babysit that guy. You know, I know that you were averse to being on the road and you're kind of getting thrust into this position all of a sudden when you are on the road with Sid or whomever else, because I know that you had a, a bunch of guys there in the million dollar corporation. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing? Because, you know, for context, it's like a lot of times these shows finish up and then the guys are going out and they're hitting the bars and they're doing all this stuff that can get a guy in trouble, especially a married man. Yeah. So yeah. like uh, during under those circumstances, you know, at the time you're like, whatever, late 30s, maybe early 40s. Yeah. Are you, are you just like i'm going right back to the hotel or what what was the plan for you well yeah i know that well that was the plan for me it's kind of like um you know uh babysitting you know in terms of if you know if he got it you know or, or try to you know keep the just keep the heat down because you know i, I sid, sid was a you know and, and i actually found him to be you know like it you know he and i got along okay mm -hmm. you know uh but i could see where where I could see what Vince was talking about. And, and, you know, he, he didn't always get along with everybody in the dressing room. <laughs> he was also fresh off a violent incident with one of your good friends, Arn Anderson, whenever yes. he came into the WWF. Yes. Yeah. And, and which, you know, made, made that also a, a deal where, um, I said, okay, I'll, 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 uh, if this is what you want me to do, Vince, I will, but you know, it's not like he and I are going to become buddy, buddy. Right. And, and uh, you know, there's two sides to every story. And, and, and I, you know, uh, you know, I think Sid should have, you know, <laughs> he did okay as a wrestler, but he should have stuck, uh, stuck to baseball. <laughs> <laughs> he was certainly a very good, you know, baseball player. And he loved, he loved to play. Or I don't know if it was baseball. It was, softball. It was softball. It was softball. softball. And, yeah, and yeah. I don't know that there would have been as much money in softball as there was in wrestling. <laughs> no. <laughs> to playing uh, in whatever, like a summer beer just, league. You know, it was just one of those, uh, just one of those deals. Bottom line is, if I had just gone and talked to the boss, you know, he said, he said, if, if, if I had understood where you were coming from, uh, you know, this wouldn't have had to happen. And, and because I got, well, that was the whole idea because I did get the opportunity uh, with WCW to go back to what I was doing originally for Vince, just being a commentator and, 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 and being uh, just there one day a week, Man. you know, to go on the road with Sid required me, you know, they were working, I guess they, you know, they had started doing, I can't remember how many days they were doing a week, but I was, I was doing more than one day, you know, in, in the, in the studio now. And uh, it's not really where I wanted to be. So, you know, you're looking at a guaranteed contract, you're looking at less dates. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of positives here, but for full context, WCW had been a clear number two wrestling organization for years at this yeah. point. Yeah. And you were really well established with the number one company in the world. Right. So when this is all happening, are you experiencing hesitation or once this deal is done, you're like, hey, I got guaranteed money. I'm good. Well, there, no, there was, there was some hesitation. There was some thought, you know, when, and of course that's what they, you know, that's always, you know, you know, it's in history now and they called it the wrestling wars, the Monday night wrestling wars and everybody's trying to top the other guy. And I, I mean, I, I said it from the get go. I said, there is no way that Eric Bischoff is ever going to top Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon has been in this business most of his life. Mm -hmm. Eric Bischoff. I, I'm not even sure how Eric, you know, and, and I don't know, I've never listened to any stories, you know, and I, and I, and I, I had no problem with, with Eric. I just, I just, you know, I, I knew here's a guy that somehow got thrust into the, into this position, you know, whether, whether that was through TBS or, or, or what, whatever, or, or decided to take to the position, but here's a guy who had never promoted wrestling of any kind or been a part of wrestling in any, any way you know, you know, taking over this job. Um, but for me, for, again, for me, it was, it was the personal thing. It was the, 
I don't need to be on the road. Road is road is danger. And so if road is danger, stay away from danger. And, you know, uh, because, you know, there had been a whole new, um, you know, I grew up a, a Christian, uh, but I, you know, I just kind of like a, you know, a rock star, uh, next town, next party, next, you know, whatever's going to happen. Yeah. And that's what the road, uh, you know, uh, it does to a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, because this was just, you know, uh, I, it was, it was just crazy. I, did I do okay? I, I did okay, but I didn't want to be there is what I'm saying. Right. You wanted yeah. to protect your marriage. You yeah. had that issue yeah. in 93 and yeah, now, yeah. now it was time to, to mature, you know? And well, I think a lot of fans hear the stories about the boys on the road and they're like, Oh geez, you know, like these guys were just out of control. It's like, Hey man, picture being in your twenties, being in great shape, making excellent money and people giving you a bunch of free shit all the time. Like that would be really, really hard. Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. Not to mention, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of like a lot of guys, they go out party and they go to the bar, look, you know, looking for, looking for a girl. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you're a wrestler. Yeah. You don't have to look for the girl. The girl comes and finds you. <laughs> um, and, and so that's, you know, that's the other deal. And, um, yeah. And that was, that was a, that was an issue in my life for sure. Well, and, and all of that to say, the other person that was very happy that I decided to go with Eric Bischoff and WCW was my wife. <laughs> you always want to keep the wife happy. Yeah. There's, there's a life so, hack for you, gentlemen. Keep your yeah. wife happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Hall of Nash had recently left WWF. Jeff Jarrett was out the door, and it seemed like at every turn here, WCW was just poaching talent from Vince, much the way that Vince had kind of done to uh, Bill Watts back in the day with Mid South and all his talent. Mm-hmm. Now, now the tables have turned, and all of a sudden, a bunch of Vince's talent that he's established on TV are turning over to the competitor. It makes me wonder. Uh, do you recall? I know that you had said that you and Vince, you know, Vince said, "Well, we should have had a conversation about it." Did Vince ever come to you once you gave your two, your ninety day notice or whatever, and say like, "Hey, come on, let's let's work this thing out"? Or did Jr. I know he was the head of talent relations. No, no. Nobody made an effort to keep the million dollar man well, in the WWF. Well, yeah, you know, I wasn't a wrestler anymore, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's the top thing, you know. And I had I had been a manager, uh, but now I was, you know. Um, you know, again, I had now I'd, I'd done the commentating thing, and you know now I'm being a now I'm being a manager. But it, it, up until Vince asked me to go on the road with Sid, I was a manager on TV. Okay. The managers didn't have to make the, the house shows, but because Vince wanted somebody that <coughs> kind of like babysit somebody, more or less, um, you know, that's and, and I figured, well, that you know, that's. That's, that's his prerogative. You know, if that's what he wants me to do, then, you know, so when the other offer came up, I, I just, I just jumped on it and again. And I, you know, and he told me, he said, Ted, you should have just come and talked to me. Here's the other thing to consider is that uh, at this point, WWF was really struggling financially. And uh, being that you're a well-established personality in pro wrestling, I'm sure that you didn't come inexpensive, especially if they were putting you on the road uh, at times for house shows when ordinarily they aren't, they aren't putting managers on the road. So th- it's another big expense. So who knows? Maybe Vince was like, hey, like I hate to see Ted go, but gosh, it's, it's good to get something off the books so we can you know, try to turn a profit with this damn thing. And actually, you know, uh, I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize, well, I, you know, uh, you know, you, you research this stuff so much more than, than anybody, but I didn't realize that they were, ha- you know, having a financial issue. So shortly after this period, Vince, yeah. uh, Vince was actually having, uh, I, th- I think, uh, automatic light switches put on in Titan Towers so that lights wouldn't remain on in rooms so that they could save on the light bill. He was having the water coolers removed from the building. So that they wouldn't, he was cutting expenses at every single corner during the Monday Night Wars when WCW was kicking their butt. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm sure that uh, that 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 was a contributing factor. Well, and then too, you know, to go over and and the other guys that you know were there, the guys that 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 jumped ship and went and 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 I I think the biggest 
factor for most of those guys was until the WCW thing happened and there was a legitimate, uh, I guess, uh, competitor. Uh, when Vince was the only show on the road, you know, you did, you know, you, you didn't, you know, there weren't, you had to take what you were given. Yeah. Basically. You know, and this, this is the first, you know, now, now that there's this contract issue, now there's somebody that, that can offer you as much or more money than you've been used to getting. And that became very competitive. How do you compete with it when you're Vince, when the, you know, the downside guarantee in those days was $1,500 a year. So it's, it's kind of a handshake arrangement. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you 1500, but I'll pay you more. Uh, but he wasn't obligated to pay anybody any more than $1,500 per year. Uh, yeah. So yeah, hard yeah. to compete with, with all the money down there with Turner. Yeah. Um, well, March 28th, 1996 marks your final day with the WWF. They don't waste any time in making it clear on TV that you are no longer affiliated with the company. Uh, Meltzer speculates that that's to get out ahead of the perception that you're another invader from the WWF. Uh, so, Ted, the NWO hasn't officially formed yet at this point, and Bischoff has stated on his podcast that you had a great radio voice, and he originally envisioned you as an announcer for WCW. Did he or anyone else make any mention of plans as far as NWO is concerned, or was it just, hey, I'm going to bring you in as a manager and an announcer, and that was it? Well, you know, basically, I, I, if I remember right, you know, that's that's what he said, is that he would bring me in, you know, as you know, I, I don't know, not, not, not as, and I, originally I thought it was as a commentator. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, and that was pretty much it. So, but you know, when the whole NWO thing got to going and then, then, then you take into consideration, you know, the character that everybody remembered, the, the million dollar man, mm-hmm. of course they couldn't call me the million dollar man anymore. So now it was what the trillion dollar something Ted. trillionaire Ted trillionaire Ted, <laughs> you know, so basically, you know, now I become the quasi funder of the new world order. And that's the way that story went. Man, it was it was a fun storyline. Yeah. Um, and well, let's talk about Bischoff a little bit here. You know, he's viewed, as you mentioned, he's viewed as inexperienced by some, uh, certainly rubbed some people the wrong way over the years. But there's no denying that he took a company which had been operating at a loss for years and started making profits with it even before the NWO came along. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when you came to WCW, it would it would have been the first time that you would have been around Bischoff, correct? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And what were your uh, early impressions of him? Well, I mean, I, you know, initially I had no, I had no problem with him, but I mean, he, you know, the other thing was that the, the, my hire, my, my Bischoff was initially to be the mouthpiece of the new world order. Um, and, you know, but you got, you got to realize the thing with, here's the difference. Eric Bischoff is looking for all the help he can get in terms of putting together a show and what's the storyline. He's and so what, but what, who's he counting on? He's counting on Hall, Nash, Hogan. These are all the, the, the top guys, right? Right. You know, and, now, and they're still in the ring. <laughs> you know, I'm no longer in the ring. I, I'm a sideliner. I'm, I'm, I'm a commentator, you know, and end up turning turn in manager thing. But uh, uh, the point you're trying to make is that you can be impartial because you aren't out there trying to influence your own creative. Whereas exactly. a guy like like Hogan, Hall or Nash, they're yeah. still out there active as wrestlers and they can yeah. position themselves by influencing Bischoff. Yes. And, 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 and again, you know, this is where somewhere along the way, Eric, Eric's Eric starts. I said, Eric, you're you're doing what you hired me to do. I said, so, hey, look, he said, you want the spot, take it. You just, you know, just, you know, send me home and I'll just collect a check. <laughs> and that's what I did. You know, I mean, and I was like, after, I mean, I, after so the I, whole. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, I let him know. I said, I said, I don't know, you know, I said, you hired me to be this guy, but obviously you become this guy. And I said, if you think I'm just going to walk out there every week and stand in the corner and, and, and be Hulk Hogan's belt bearer, you know, I'm not Virgil. You know, that's what basically what I told him. And they hired him too. 
I was going to say, then Virgil was there anyways. So <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even get to do that. <laughs> so, well, I, it was cool seeing you with the Steiners. I can't wait to uh, talk well, about that. Well, that was Eric. it. It was kind of like, and, and, I, and it's the other thing I told Eric, this is a time when these, these, these opportunities for me to go out and speak as a, as a, as a Christian speaker, and I was also making appearances on re religious television, like the 700 Club and, and stuff like that. And I, I shared that with Eric. And I said, now, there's a lot of people who are seeing me on these religious, you know, shows like the 700 Club, you know, and periodic, uh, 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 you know, appearances. And I said, you know, so I don't know what you think. I said, but it's like they're, they're, they're seeing me on TV as this this heel manager, but they're seeing the real live Ted DiBiase over here. So maybe, you know, you, you know, I don't, I don't know what you want to do. I said, but you know, uh, you might think about turning me babyface, and that's when he did it. It, it worked they, pretty they well. They turned me, they turned me babyface, put me with the Steiners for a while, but it was, you know, I, I don't know. I always enjoyed seeing you with the Steiners. I thought it was kind of a unique pairing. Uh, again, we've, we've mentioned it here on the show before. We're going to do a full episode on the Steiners, not just you as a manager for them, but also when you were feuding with them as, a, as part of Money, Inc. So yeah. there's a lot to cover there. We'll, we'll get there one day. Eric is always pretty quick to speak his mind, which is one of the things I've always admired about him in the time yeah. I've been around him. He's just really straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, I know that some talents didn't care for his demeanor at times. Would you say that, you know, aside from, you know, having to have that conversation with him, did yeah. you always generally get along with him pretty well? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I had no, I, you know, I had no problems, you know, with him. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like, uh, you, you know, here's the position you brought me in for. And apparently you've seen your way to, you know, it's like, it's your show. You're running the show. Uh, you know, as long as I knew that, that would be the, now, the, now, now where it would have become an issue is if I wasn't on that guaranteed contract. Yes. If, you know, if, if, if I was working like, you know, for Vince and, and, you know, and basically what Vince was, you know, he's guaranteeing me, guaranteeing you almost nothing really. And so you're, it's almost like the old days where you're just getting paid week to week by whatever's in the house. Yes. You know, you know, now if that had been the issue, you know, then I'd have been screaming. So Ted, as you're awaiting the expiration of your WWF contract, so you can make your big debut, the wrestling world is completely turned on its head. After more than a decade as the ultimate baby face, the biggest star in the history of wrestling turns heel at bash of the beach, 1996 on June 7th, the third man in hall Nash's group is revealed to be Hulk Hogan. And the group is officially named the new world order. So, Ted, Hulkamania officially comes to an end, and Hogan immediately becomes the top heel in the business after being the biggest babyface ever yeah. in the business yeah. since 1984. When you're first hearing about him turning heel, are you convinced that the whole thing is going to work, or were you concerned that fans might completely reject the idea of this version of Hulk Hogan? Oh, no. I, you know, you know, here's the thing about uh, the wrestling. If you're a huge irregardless whether you're a heel or you're a baby face, whatever you were when you turn, if the, the, the hotter the baby face you are and then you turn, that it just it just adds fuel to the fire. It just makes you hotter. You know, now now you now you, you turn bad, you you know it's like uh I well I did it in mid south. I had been a baby face in mid south for since I started. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody in Mid-South saw me start. I started in the summer of 75, and I kept going back to work with Bill Watts. But when I turned heel, that's like, you know, like as far, that's like insulting the people, right? You know, you're going to turn <laughs> heel on us? Then they hated me that much more. And the same thing happened to Hulk. Man, it's and it, it certainly worked. I mean that yeah. the, that crowd reaction at Bash at the Beach. A fan hit the ring and Nash had to punch him out. Like tons of trash being thrown into the ring. Just like holy smokes, unbelievable heat. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you had to just be chomping at the bit to get in there and be part of that, right? Oh yeah, I mean that was yeah, and be part of the NWO was was cool. <laughs> you know, NWO for life. 
<laughs> man it was it was awesome your debut we'll, we'll be watching that here shortly uh as we work our way toward your debut i did want to ask you about a couple other interesting notes here in wcw at the time one is that former super bowl winner steve mongo mcmichael is an active wrestler in the company at this time and he's become a member of one of the most legendary groups in pro wrestling the four horsemen uh did you get to spend a lot of time around steve i i did he's a, he was a great guy you know, obviously he didn't, he didn't know a whole lot about wrestling, but he was, you know, I, I found him to be a, a really nice guy. I've heard that sentiment echoed a lot. And, you know, yeah. Arn Anderson says a lot uh, about the four horsemen. Like, hey, if you want to be a four horseman, you got to be able to work. You've got to be able to make your, the, your opponent shine. You've got to have a good promo. He was like, you know, there's there's a lot of criteria you have to meet to be a horseman. And it's like Steve Mongo McMichael did not meet a lot of that criteria. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> However, uh, like Flair and I believe Arn, pretty much anybody was like, oh, no, he was a horseman. Yeah. No, he yeah. was just because he was a great guy. Yeah. Uh, and he was a, apparently a legendary partier as well. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> so you were you were at, staying yeah, away from yeah, that. By scene, that I time, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so one other side note, uh, another angle that's starting up as you come into the company is the Blood Runs Cold storyline. This is happening right when you come into the company, uh, which is uh, Glacier. So he's working as a, in a martial arts gimmick here, which is clearly inspired by the video game Mortal Kombat. He's got this crazy, elaborate entrance with snow and lasers and karate shit going on. Uh, so, Ted, you're an old school guy. Uh, when you see a character introduced like this, are, do you think, OK, there's this is the future of wrestling or what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm an old school guy. And I thought an old school way. I, it was to me. It was like, what is this crap? <laughs> I mean, are you serious? What What is this crap? You know, it's uh, kind of like, you know, it's it's sometimes it's you know, it's hard to make chicken salad out of <laughs> chicken shit. I'll yes. say it so you don't yeah. have to. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know, for all the great stuff that was happening in WCW during this era where it felt like they just couldn't miss, there were still some misses, and I think the Glacier was one yeah. of them. Mm -hmm. um, so, Ted, on the 729 Nitro, Hall and Nash attacked Arn Anderson, Marcus Bagwell, Scotty Riggs, and Rey Mysterio in the parking lot uh, during a taping at Disney. This angle was apparent, apparently realistic enough that there was real emergency response called in. I mean, this is some absolute craziness. If you remember this, I don't. I, you weren't there yet, so I don't know if you were watching. But, I mean, th they were holding aluminum bats, but they dropped them as soon as the camera hit them because apparently that would be going too far on TV at that time. Uh, but it's a really realistic angle in wrestling during a time when, I mean, just in February of 96, Razor Ramon and 123Kid had a crybaby match in the WWF. So, I mean, like, all of a sudden, WCW is going the complete opposite direction with their creative and getting really, really kind of realistic and gritty. Uh, it marked a big transition in wrestling to a more gritty, adult-oriented product. What did you think of this change? That's that's always been, you know, and, and again, I'm that old school. I mean, I grew up in the business and, and you understand, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, when you're a little kid and somebody tells you, okay, it's magic. I'm going to make this thing disappear and they make it disappear. I mean, it's sleight of hand. You don't know how they did it, but you did, you, you, you believe it. Mm -hmm. Well, we, as in the wrestling industry understood, you know, if you watch wrestling long enough and you've ever, ever been in a real fight. You know, there's a lot of things that you're going to say and you'll go, wait a minute. It's kind of like if, you know, if a guy grabs you by the head of the hair and runs you all the way across the ring into a turnbuckle. <laughs> if you were in a real fight, could somebody actually grab you by the, you know, if, if, if you didn't want to go, you know, he might pull your hair out, but you're not going. You know, <laughs> so it, it's, it's the realism. And the more realistic you can make it, the better that that that's always been you know and it was you know like i, I don't know i think it was arn anderson you know because arn, arn was a, a a producer for them for a lot longer i mean i tried to and i just you no know, it wasn't me i mean to the to this point it was hard for me to be a producer because i couldn't sit down with two guys and map out a whole match right why because i never did that 
You got to feel I, the audience. I mean, it's like, it's like I never did it. And if I never did it, how, how am I going to sit down? And, and, you know, it's just, it made no sense to me. That, that was the biggest problem. It's like, now if I had history with a guy, if I had had a couple of matches with him, I might go, okay, based on what the people saw last week, maybe we should start this match tonight this way. Right. You know, and, and of course, I'm, so I might know the very beginning of the match. And of course, the only th- other thing I knew was the finish because the finish, whatever that finish is, is the hook takes you back the following week. And uh, that's all I ever knew. So to sit down with two wrestlers and map out a match, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And, and to me, that's what's missing. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, and I think Arn was told me, he said, he said, Teddy said, he says, he says, Vince doesn't really like wrestling. And I went, what? He says, you know, he says, you know, wrestling is kind of like the bastard child of the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And he's always wanted to make it something more acceptable. And I went, hmm. I never thought of that. You know, um, and so, so let's like make this big soap opera out of it. And so you got, you know, this going on in the ring and then then you got it. Then you cut away to a confrontation in the locker room and, you know, out on the street and whatever. And I mean, I can see where some of that is okay, but to make the whole show a a soap opera. And, you know, which to me is the, the, the thing that everybody most, and here's totally to this day, I still have people come up to me, guys who are in their like forties now, you know, uh, um, who were little boys when, when, uh, when I was in my prime, um, and, or, or who had been wet, watch, watch, watching wrestling, uh, for a longer deal. And that, you know, they, the thing they all say, the thing that's missing, it seems to be is, is realism in the ring. In other words, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like a lot of the guys, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. The last couple of times I've watched any of the show or the girls, the ladies division of the WWE, in my opinion, have more believable matches than the guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the only one that feels that way. You know, and it seems like, you know, the guys, the guys go out there and it's almost like an ac- acrobatic act. It's all high spots. It's, you know, like, a, uh, you know, a triple back somersault all over the top rope to the floor and bounce up like nothing happened to you. Right. Sell it. Nobody's selling anything anymore. So you, when you, when you, when you go into a, a movie, you know, it's a movie, but what makes it real to you is the actors are so good at making you believe what they're doing is real. Well, it's the same thing with wrestling. You know, wrestling used to be wrestling, and it's like, you know, two guys on the mat, you know, and, you know, this guy's working a headlock, and the other guy's working a, an arm or a leg or whatever, and and, and uh, it, the story goes on, and it's back, and it's forth, uh, and, then, and then occasionally there's a high spot. <laughs> That's why we call them high spots. Uh, because they were high spots, you know. The whole match is not a high spot; it's a high spot. Anyway, I don't, I don't know how many of the fans listening are going to understand what I'm saying. I think but, they do. And look, but, it's you know, to your point, uh, fans. We all know that wrestling is work, but we want to suspend our disbelief. If you went to go see an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, uh, let's say Terminator, and he's like gunning people down, and then all of a sudden he just turns to the camera and gives a wink, like all of a sudden you'd be like, "Hey, what the fuck? Like you took me right out of the moment," <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And that's kind of what some of these guys do nowadays. They're not necessarily overtly winking at the camera, but like some of the unbelievable stuff that they're doing, where it's like you know, a tope suicida over the top rope into a group of guys and you spring right back up like nothing happened nobody's yeah, selling exactly uh, takes you out of it exactly that, that's it that's it in a nutshell it, it's it's uh they've taken that away it's like you know sell it you know that's the whole deal is uh if i ever took a bump over the top rope to the floor i'm gonna lay there 
and sell it, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, oh my gosh, I, I don't even want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get off on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't want to get off on my horse, uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, that's what's messy, missing is realism. Uh, you know, a believable, a real believable match, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it was very, um, you know, it was, it wasn't, it was kind of like, now it would be like, and I know they don't have it. They don't, I don't, I, I don't believe I haven't seen anybody bleed on TV for a while. And I don't think they have for a, a long time. Uh, but you know, in, in wrestling as I knew it, it was like the only time you were going to see two guys bleed or one guy bleed is in a main event uh, where it's a, a serious match, like, you know, what like a Texas death match or whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and, uh, and of course the way we did that was, it was real blood. It wasn't any, it was, it wasn't uh, Hollywood blood. You made a little, you had a little, a little razor blade. Some guys would tape it to their finger uh, and, and, and uh, when it's the right time, you know, you just hit your head a couple times. If you look at my head, you know, there's a lot of, well, you can't hardly see them anymore. But there's, That means you did a good job. Yeah. And and uh, and you would, if you were going to bleed, you would take an aspirin because it thins your blood or, or maybe a little shot of, you know, I mean, literally a little shot of whiskey or something. because It thins your blood. So when you do it, it, you know. You know, it's like, you know, you got a little slice like a, with a razor blade, you know, with just the tip of that blade. And uh, it looks like Mount Rushmore. But mm-hmm. when you when you actually, you know, look at what it is, it's not that much. And, and you know, the believability has gone. Uh, in my opinion, it's just gone. It's just it's just, you know, not realistic to me anymore. And, you know, even the blood, it's AEW uh, has blood pretty often. But here's the thing is if you do blood too often, then blood doesn't mean anything to the audience. Exactly. Anymore. So you, you've really got to kind of walk a fine line. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, and I don't know if this is still historically true, but my dad and Dory Funk Sr. had a Texas death match in Amarillo, Texas. And the rules of a Texas death match were, Falls don't count. In other words, you can have 20 falls. You know, like you, you know, the deal is somebody, it's, it's a fall, one, two, three. Okay. Now there's a, uh, a 30 second, I think th- it was either 30 seconds. I think it was 30 second rest period. You know, like after that one, two, three, 30 seconds. And then if you weren't to your feet by the count of 10, you lose. And, and, and you, and, and falls could happen anywhere. In the ring, on the floor, out in the parking lot. I mean, and 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 my dad and Dory Funk Senior did this for three hours and fifteen minutes. Oof. And they they I think they periodically they 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 sent them back to the dressing room to have a doctor look at them. And I don't know if that was part of the show, probably. But imagine keeping the attention of all those people just two guys for three hours and 15 minutes. They were letting people in off the street and that, and, and the, the match ended in a draw. Why? Because there was a curfew on the building and because they, they you know, the police stopped the match because, you know, they couldn't, the, the, the building couldn't be open to the public past a certain hour. <laughs> you put the heat on the police. That's the way. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, that, the, but I mean, again, uh, they bled, and of course, they actually hardweighed each other. You know, it's like you know, they each took one. You know, take one for the boss, right? So it's right to, it's, uh, for, the, for the business, like a strike down, right? It's you got to yeah. punch down on a guy's eyebrow to get him yeah. to bleed. I think yeah. that's a technique. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, bygone era for sure, yeah, and yeah. Uh, certainly you know nowadays. There's if there was a three hour match, uh, everybody would tune out. Nobody would be able to sit there. It's you know yeah. it's the age of instant gratification. So yeah. we'll never yeah. see anything like that again, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, right. So Dad, we're 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 getting near the finish line. Um, but before your debut, Hog Wild 1996 takes place in Sturgis, and Hogan wins the WCW World Title and spray paints it 
huge heat, absolutely unstoppable momentum here for the NWO. Uh, Ted, this heel turn for Hogan, affiliation with the NWO, it would be a huge career resurgence for him. You know, all of a sudden, crowds were booing Hulk Hogan uh, here in WCW up until this heel turn. When he was a babyface, he was getting booed because people were just getting tired of his shtick. It had been yeah. happening for 12 years. Um, and now, all of a sudden, his career is he's right back on top. But now he's on the other side as a heel. Uh, as you're seeing this, are you thinking like, hey, maybe this is it's going to be a big resurgence for me in my career when I come in? Uh, I don't know if... if um... I saw it so much that way. I mean, I mean, um, I, I, by that time, you know, it's kind of like I grew up in the business. You know, I, I had put in, you know, 20, you know, by the time it was all over, I think 20 years. Uh, what I, I started, okay, what would it be? I started in the summer of 75, so 75, 85, and what was this, 94 or 95? 90, 96. It was 96, so it's, it's okay, you know. 75, 85, 95. So 20, what, 21 years? That's a good long career. Yeah. And uh, um, by that time, I'm not. <laughs> it's you're, like, you're not looking for a big resurgence. No, no, no. I'm not looking for a big resurgence. But I mean, in terms for, for Hulk, though, the, the deal with him turning heel, I, you know, I, I, and, and I think he would agree with it. You know, that was the right thing to do because I, I, I and again, the, back in the old, the old territorial days of wrestling, the reason guys moved around like that was things get old. So it was like uh, um, you would wrestle in one territory. Maybe you, you spent a year there or it depended on who you were, or how, how over you were, or maybe you spent uh, a couple years there. But then after a couple of years, you would leave. You'd go somewhere. You'd go to another territory where you're fresh and new because it was all regional television. And, uh, you know, you'd go from Georgia championship wrestling. Of course, the, the, the Georgia was the first place that had the, you know, the, the, the coast to coast cable anyway. Mm -hmm. But you worked for Mid-South for Bill Watts for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, you wore out your welcome, so to speak. So you go, you go somewhere else and you wrestle for a year or two. And then, and then when they bring you back, you're fresh again. That's how wrestling used to be. So, because everything, you know, too much of a good thing gets old, right? Right. So you just got to change things. So, like again, Hogan had been the guy. I mean, for how how many years? Twelve at this point. Twelve. Twelve years of this, you know, big baby face, uh, good guy Hulk Hogan, and yeah, it's like. It was like it was time. It was like show me, you know, like okay, we've seen this. Let's let's get something new. Well, he turns heel. He's he's brand new again. It certainly worked yeah. uh, in a big way. And Ted, yeah. what else worked was your debut. The big day finally arrives. It's August twenty sixth. Uh, you make your debut right there on Nitro, and we've got the clip right now. We'll be here in action. A lot of people talking about him. Oh. Wait a minute. What's up? What's this? What's going on up? Oh, no. What in the world? Oh, my goodness. Not again. You know who that is. Ted DiBiase. Without a doubt. I want to know why. DiBiase evidently bought a ticket. Making his way. Ted DiBiase crashing the party here on nitro and we've seen this before he is here for a reason i guarantee you i know the man he is strictly business the giant misses the elbow drop did you see the elevation on the giant we've said it in the last couple of weeks ever since that beating he took in the hands of hogan and the nwo he is one enraged giant Duggan tape in that fifth where no in, effect where in the heck did dibiase go i don't know Duggan wanting him to step into the punch, and it still has no effect. Still on his feet. Hacksaw. Uh -oh. Hacksaw trying to get the two-by-four. Nick Patrick. Now, there's a man I don't trust with a two-by-four. Watch this. Watch this. Can he do it? Going for the choke slam. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh. 
what one, strength, what two, power. three, no hesitation in that three count. And look at this. One, two, three, four. What is that, the four horsemen? Man, that is that is how you debut somebody uh, just coming through the crowd. Very realistic. Again, uh, the the realism of, of yeah. the the whole angle. The NWO felt like it, it felt like everything that was happening in pro wrestling was kind of sort of okay. You know, I'll suspend my disbelief for this. But then the NWO stuff is happening. It's like, man, this is kind of real. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. just a hell of a reaction from excited crowd. You're the fourth member of the NWO. So, I mean, like there's significance there, Ted. This is the hottest group in wrestling. You've got Hulk Hogan, Hall, Nash, and they're just red hot. And yeah. who's the fourth guy? It's you. And it's just, man, it worked out well, really it was, well. It was four. And like, and I, it's like I, in the deal, I said next week, it's going to be five. Right. Which meant I was going to be the fifth member. Wasn't it? Uh, no, so you were number four, and you were saying next week we're bringing in another guy. It's going to be the fifth member. Who was that? Well, so uh, according to the <laughs> research I was doing, uh, uh, Davy Boy Smith had give, given his notice to the WWF uh, at this time, and so he was apparently, uh, they were thinking either him or Sean Waltman was getting ready to come in. Um, okay. But apparently this, the yeah. thing with Davy fell through, and so they wound up making it the giant which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Wow. First, I first I do want to know uh, your your first day in a new wrestling company, Ted. You know, after all these years in the WWF, you're starting new again. Uh, what do you remember about your arrival here in WCW? Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of like I, you know, there wasn't anybody in the locker room I didn't know, so it was uh, it was just a change of change of pace, change of scenery, and 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 again, I, I thought the idea of having me seated in the crowd and walking out of the crowd was pretty cool you know uh so it worked it worked, it worked. and it worked. Uh, what a what a cool visual on on tv where it's like you know you're sitting there in the crowd and mm -hmm. uh yeah no it's it was fantastic you know we hear a lot that wrestlers will say working for the wwf was like working for this like finely oiled machine while working for wcw could be chaos uh are you seeing a lot of differences in production management <laughs> oh, talent gosh. behaviors oh gosh uh it's unbelievable and i'll be honest with you it's kind of like um you know, working for the WWE, in my opinion, was better because it did become a, a fine tool, uh, you know, fine tune machine. Uh, because that that chaos. I mean, when when I was in WCW for the little time that I was actually there and, and was sitting at home getting a check, <laughs> uh, it was chaos every week. It was like it's like. I, I can remember being in the locker room and I mean, the, the show has started, you know, it's, it's halfway over and they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do in the main event. That's pretty scary. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember seeing that and I went, Oh my God. And I, and again, you got that, that was, that's that constant power struggle. Hogan, Nash and Hall. And guys like Hogan yeah. had creative control, which means that TV could have been written the week before. And then Hogan yeah. gets a TV and they're like, hey, here's what we're doing tonight. And he could just say, nope, not doing that. And then yeah. they have to rewrite it right there on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a tough position to be in. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Can certainly understand why there were some issues behind the scenes. Um, so Ted, I've heard a lot. I've heard some fans over the years say that your character wasn't really a perfect fit with the renegade style of the NWO. You know, they were portrayed as almost like kind of a punk biker gang. And then you arrive and you're wearing a suit. You've got kind of like this corporate vibe. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I'm curious as to your take. Did you feel like you meshed well with Hogan Hall and Nash here? Well, I mean, I don't know how well I meshed, but I mean, it was kind of like, um, it's like, I think that I think what it was supposed to represent was, you know, here's 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 this conglomerate coming together and it's it's been building and it's been building and it's like I show up and it's almost like I show up and, and now this this is the money. Mm -hmm. This is how this whole thing came together. It was I think the story they were trying to tell that all this time it had been me, you know, building the team. I don't funding know. them. Yeah, funding them. So, 
And not to mention, it's, you know, we've got Hall and Nash making the jump from the WWF. So there's a couple WWF guys coming in. Uh, Hogan was like the ultimate WWF guy. Like, you yeah. know, when people thought of Hulk Hogan, they thought about Hulkamania in the WWF and slamming Andre. So yeah. that one makes sense. Now, here you are fresh off WWF TV and you're coming in. So like all of these additions in my mind make sense where we're trying to build a story like, hey, these are guys who are disenchanted from the WWF, but they don't like what's going on here in WCW. So they're coming in to take over. That all makes sense to me. Uh, the next week, however, as we reference, the giant joins the NWO. And I feel like that was where we started to go off the rails a little bit uh, as far as like, OK, why? How does he fit into this? He, he feels like a weird puzzle piece that doesn't quite fit with the rest. Uh, what did you think of the giant being added to the group so quickly after you? Well, yeah, it's like it, to have additions is one thing, but, you know, you don't, you know, to just one week after the next and after the next. It's kind of like you need to spread them out. Um, and and. uh but then how big are you going to, how, how big are you going to let it get? You know, I don't know. And, and that's the thing. It feels like if there was somebody on TV who like wasn't doing much, they'd like throw him an NWO shirt. And then all of a sudden, okay, he's in the group and he's, <laughs> you know, there's another guy standing behind Hogan while he's, he's doing a promo. <laughs> so it was, it was, uh, I think that that was where we started to go off the rails. A well, little. yeah. Well, well, man, Eric, <laughs> the guy running the show i mean legitimately running the show joins gmwo you know and basically what he did was he, he basically in my opinion he came in and basically took the, the spot that i would have been so like all these additions did not work something that did work really well with the nwo was this unique pre-produced promo style that we got in black and white we're going to close out this week's episode with your first promo in that style it's it's a pretty fun watch the following announcement has been paid for by the new world order the demise of the wcw <laughs> Easy. We're not here for a stinking reason, man. We got our boss with us. Ted DiBiase. This is the boss. Ted DiBiase has more money than Ted Turner. He makes Ted Turner look like a popper. Hey, this is his fault. We've already established who we are. I'm the world's champion, not the WCW world's champion. We've already established how powerful we are. Sure, we did in the I'd be the man. We've taken on our best, and there it is. Well, you guys back me up. We got your belt. New World Order, World Heavyweight Championship belt. You rule the street, right? You tag it, it's up. Hey, what about this guy? I warned everybody, he did such a great job. Nobody believed, number one, who the fifth guy was when I saw him. I said, next week he's coming. The NWO has shaken WCW to its mouth. They rattled. Whether you like it or you don't like it. The NWO's here to stay! Learn to love it! It like it was a big surprise. Change is inevitable. You don't like that. You can stick it. They want us so bad. They have agreed to this match. The question is, just how bad? We want it. You know, this just didn't happen, man. They don't even know who they're gonna face. Ted DiBiase, the master plan. It's been around for a long time. I've done this before, man. I stuck it to me. Right in the back. Feels good, doesn't it, guys? Doesn't it feel Don't you good? think they would have saw it? You're just now unloading them, you know? It's the battle plan. You go in and create confusion and chaos. They want us in that cage. Well, what do we get? First of all, our own segment on their show. We don't face this man. Yes. We want our own tag team tournament. NWO. We have our own segment. We highlight our talent. We beat you. You pay the bill. You know what I think? From now on, we're going to turn it like this because it's NWO for life. <laughs> the preceding announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Uh, that just looked like fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, man, it's been so long since I've seen that. I, I totally forgot that. I had totally forgotten that. Wow. That brings back a good memory. I mean, what a, what a huge change, too, where it's, you know, for years it was like, okay, you're going to stand up here and, and do your yeah. promo. 
about you know being in Poughkeepsie next week or whatever thing you're gonna do. And now we're doing something completely different with this kind of guerrilla style, quick yeah. cut sound bites. Uh, what did you think of this uh, new promo style? I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, anything new is good. Anything, anything new, anything different. You know, I, I wouldn't say anything, but you know, something like that. Uh, anything you can change it up and and give it a different and just tweak it. You know, that's great. Man, worked really well. Something that fans still really love to this day. And uh, Ted, we are far from done from talking about your time in WCW, but that's going to wrap us up for this week, talking about your debut with the NWO. Uh, we're having a blast here on Everybody's Got a Pod, and we have a huge month ahead here on the show. Big anniversaries are incoming with uh, your final match with the WWF at SummerSlam 1993. We're going to be talking about the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks at SummerSlam 1988. Wow. And of course... We're going to have another Ask Ted Anything coming up here in a few weeks, too. So, man, uh, we are rocking and rolling here, dude. It's It's been an absolute blast. Awesome, uh, brother. Well, look, before we go, I want to remind you all that if you'd like to get this podcast on video with no commercials and early access, uh, you've got to get over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com and sign up for Premier Plus. Tons of sports, entertainment, and other shows. If you're a wrestling fan or just a fan of good entertainment or sports, uh, you've got to go out of your way to at least check it out. Do yourself a favor. Get over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com. If you're listening to our show uh, on a podcast app, please take just a moment. Only takes a minute. Go and like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review there because that helps us out a ton. And uh, we'd love to have, have you follow us on social. You can follow Ted at MDM, Ted DiBiase on all of his social media. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Ted DiBiase Pod on every social platform. And follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on Twitter and Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Ted, this was a fantastic episode today. I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you, my friend. And uh, as we go, always remember, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> we will catch you guys next week right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.